0: You've got to keep up with Chris, come on. Ray, He's got lovely have long legs. Have you thought
1: about getting longer legs?
0: I'm going to edit that out so it sounds like Chris is saying that to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I really liked Chris Addison. I also it was really nice to women. I think that's the trailer.
1: Oh, God, I've got to call. I've got to call the PR.
0: This week on Walking the Dog, Raymond and I headed over to beautiful Beckenham Palace Park in south-east London for a chat with the multi-talented comedian, actor, writer and director, Mr Chris Addison. Now, Chris is very upfront about being a committed cat man, but I thought it was time he took a stroll down Dog Lane to see how he got on with my boy Raymond. Now, Chris has been a critically acclaimed stand-up for many years, but a lot of people first came across him via his brilliant performance on The Thick of It, and his hilarious appearances on shows like Mock the Week and Would I Lie to You. But more recently, he's turned his hand to directing. He's won multiple awards for his work on HBO's Veep. He directed Rebel Wilson in The Hustle. And two years ago, he co-created the Sky show Breeders, alongside the writer Simon Blackwell and the show star Martin Freeman. Breeders is an incredibly funny, truthful take on modern parenting with really standout performances. And we chatted about the upcoming third series, which, by the way, you can catch on Sky Comedy and Now TV from Wednesday, July the 13th. Chris Addison is pretty much living proof that Nice Guys actually finish first. He's so well-loved in the industry, and you can see why. He's very curious and interested in other people. And yes, he's quick-witted and funny, just as you'd expect. But he's got this very benign, gentle energy. What I'm saying is he's basically a Star Wars mashup the wisdom of Yoda the charisma of Han Solo and the adventurous spirit of Luke Skywalker so naturally he was very won over by my dog Raymond yes he lured him over to the dog side how did he do that? well you'll just have to listen won't you? I really enjoyed my walk with lovely Chris Addison and I hope you do too do catch Breeders on Sky because it's brilliant I'll hand over now to the man himself remember to rate, review and follow us here's Chris and Raymond
1: He just doesn't know how to mark his scent. <laughs> I've never seen a dog do this, so he's gonna go, he'll do, see if he does it again. He'll go up to the thing, and then lifts the leg that's furthest away from what he's trying to pee against. Oh, no. My worry with this dog, it is a dog, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not getting off to the best dog, Chris
1: <laughs> this the, with the, the vibe of this dog, like, it sort of reminds me slightly of, oh, oh there you go. Oh. That's how to start a podcast with a lovely turd.
0: He's had a bit of an incident. That's what I call it.
1: An incident. <laughs> I'm impressed because the amount of hair I was—I sort of wor- would be worrying about, you know, clagging.
0: I've forgotten the poo bag, so I'm using a wet one. Oh, you've wipe.
1: not got a poo bag. <laughs> um, there must be. Wait,
0: surely there's a, there's a... Oh, there, Chris. Does this look... That's just this is recycling. recycling and this is a general bin. Do you think that's...
1: I mean, well, I don't there must be like a poo bin. Do you know there is a there is a dog shop there? We could ask the Shall people. Should we ask the man? Yeah,
0: but then do you think we'll have to buy something? Mm,
1: mm, you could buy some poo bags. Should
0: we go there? Oh, that's a good idea. It's yeah. either that
1: or you're walking around Beckenham Place Park with a turd in your hand, and you know, which is one of the many reasons I don't have a dog.
0: Well, it's not the first time it's <laughs> happened to me. Yeah,
1: plus yeah, first time since you've had a dog though.
0: Oh. The man's going to think I smell of poo. What's no, he's
1: that? not, because you're going to go, I've got a... Let's ask him. He must have it. Hello, do you have any uh, poo bags?
0: Yes.
1: You do? Where are they?
0: Yeah, yeah, Where are the poo bags?
1: Here. pound fifty.
0: Oh, lovely. I'm so sorry, hey, I've only really got a card. Uh, is that annoying? Why? You
1: know what, the guy, I'm, I'm just working here. Oh, I'm, do, I'm, just, I'm doing some building work in here. he Just asked me to quickly watch. Wait, so you're having to watch the shopping. He's not. He's not trained you. He hasn't trained me. I oh. know. Oh,
0: well, I've done it before. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. How you can we start might. That. I hey, think we might have some you got money. In, Hang on.
1: In coins, like like I in think, the uh, think 19th we've century. I have got
0: it. Yeah. It's really nice to meet you. Thanks for all your help with the poo bags. No worries. No worries. Just got me away from working up there for a minute. There you go. Oh, thank you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, bye-bye. Come on Chris, let's get our coffees. I like those men. They showed initiative. I like people that show initiative.
1: (laughs) How can you actually watch a shop if you're not trained to operate the shop? It's literally just, maybe he just wants to stop people from stealing things. But it seems like an odd (laughs) thing to ask somebody to do and then not back them up with the the information that they require. (laughs)
0: Let's get Wait, you a coffee. There's two setups here.
1: I don't know what's happening it,
0: yeah.
1: This I'll looks coffeeish.
0: Yeah, this looks coffeeish. We'll get these. Cheers. What would you like?
1: Um, what would I like? I would like a decaf.
0: Ah, a Americano
1: with milk. Yeah, no, it's not my choice. The doctor told me.
0: <laughs> Hello. Can we have one decaf Americano?
1: What with bil- milk? With milk? With milk. Yeah. And can I have- Is that hot milk? Sorry. Oh, good lord. Uh, wh- 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 however it comes. Cold yeah. milk is fine, yeah. yeah.
0: And I'll have an oat milk latte, All right. calf, because that's how I roll. Thank Great. you. Great, yeah. thank you very much.
1: Cheers. Thanks.
0: Thank he ran off, Chris.
1: How's the old uh, obedience training going?
0: <laughs> he ran off.
1: He sort of makes me think a little bit of... Um, He's got a a touch of, uh, you know, there'll be like cute little background creatures in Star Wars. He's got you sort of think, oh yeah, somebody's based a design on a dog.
0: Well, you're absolutely right because George Lucas apparently, I think he might have had a Brussels Griffin. and they're similar to Ah. these. And that's where Chewbacca's from. Yeah, yeah. but rather Ah. brilliantly, he's called an Imperial Shih Tzu.
1: No, (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen a dog like Ray.
0: What do you mean?
1: No, I don't. Like, that looks like that.
0: Well, you'll soon discover he's got big dog energy as well. Right. He's go to Chris. Where's Chris? There he is. Oh,
1: look at you. you're marvellous. You
0: see, we're going to talk about this, Chris. I know you're more of a cat man.
1: Very much so. Yes. Oh, but this, well, he's a charmer, you know, isn't
0: he? He's very good for my ego because I get no attention at all. It's kind of like going out with a celebrity.
1: Do strangers strike up conversations oh. with you? Right. You know, that's why I can't have a dog. <laughs> I, I, as it is, I walk around the world with a big pair of headphones on that basically say, please don't bother me. Do you? A little bit. I'm quite a friendly person, but I just, you know. Yeah.
0: Take that's yours. yours. No, that's oh, yours. Take, from, you yours. Know, the take your lid, Chris.
1: And we're going to put some right. uh, milk we're going to set
0: off on our walk, which is very exciting.
1: Yeah nice part of the world, this.
0: Let's go, Chris. Come on, Ray. Let's follow Chris. This is his manner.
1: It's my manner, mate. No shitting on it. (laughs) So how, like, because obviously he's a tiny weenie dog, so, but you say he's got big dog energy. So how far can he walk before he just goes, this is too much, what are you doing to me?
0: Um, We've probably got about another three minutes.
1: (laughs) But then I suppose he's so small, you can just pick him up.
0: Oh, this way, yeah. That really
1: is like having a small child, isn't it? Because that's of you spend (laughs) a lot of your time just lifting them up. He's absolutely intent on marking everything as his. Royce Park, this is Royce Park now.
0: Raymond, come on. Yay! Does he
1: have a pedigree name? Because I remember, so when I, uh, one of my mates when I grew up had a fantastic Airedale, great big Airedale called Tandy, beautiful dog, but uh, she wasn't really called Tandy because she's a pedigree, so there's a there's a name that goes with that, which was Raj and Steve Snow Sparkle. <laughs> and you could make the dog whimper and sort of it seemed in embarrassment by going Raj and Steve She would go <laughs> and look a bit sad. She really hated it.
0: We're in Beckenham Place Park, which is Chris Addison's manor.
1: Yeah, my my the woods in it.
0: And I should formally introduce you. Okay. I'm so excited to have this fabulous man on. I'm with the very wonderful. I mean, it's going to take the entire podcast to list everything <laughs> you do because you're such a polymath.
1: I've just been around for a long time. That's what that means.
0: <laughs> He'll do that a lot as well. He's very self-deprecating, but I won't have it. Um, comedian, actor, writer, director, opera star.
1: I I did also once work in a sandwich shop. Do you want to put that in Uh, when I was about 18? R Daily Bread it was called. R, like like R for Roger and Daily Bread like like a double barrel surname. Daily Thompson. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I'm with the very wonderful Chris Addison and already this man has a fabulous energy.
1: That's nice to know because I'm coming out the other side of a very bad hangover. So that's, that's good. Maybe I'm, maybe, <coughs> maybe, uh, where, maybe were we're d-
0: where were you last night? Are we allowed to know?
1: Yeah, I was at, I went out to. it was strange. So just to put it in context, it's the perfect, the, the last night was the night that Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid resigned from Johnson's cabinet. And as it happened, I was going for dinner with Dara O'Brien and, and Hugh Dennis and um, Michael McKean in a extraordinary restaurant that was, get this, <laughs> a Polish Mexican restaurant. Yeah. So, like, you could get nachos with kielbasa on us. It was was amazing. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, but uh, wine, you know, there was wine with the meal, I I seem to remember. Uh, (coughs) I didn't feel terribly good this morning.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that you guys all hang out together. Well, I mean, I
1: haven't seen Hugh in, like, ten years since I stopped doing Mock the Week. Yeah. But uh, it was so nice to see him.
0: And obviously Michael's in your... Fabulous Show Breeders, which we're going to be discussing quite a lot in this podcast because I'm a huge fan. But let's start with the animals question, Chris. So we're with my dog, (laughs) Raymond. You haven't got a dog.
1: I don't have a dog, no. I've never had a dog, actually. Why not? Uh, I was brought up with cats. Uh, Also humans, not just... (laughs) I wasn't left feral with cats, but uh, we always had cats when I was a kid. And then, uh, and so, did my, so did my wife when she was younger. So we've just always had cats. And um, we've had our cat that we have now, he, if he makes it to next month, he'll be 20. So, uh, so you know, it, it, the, the question hasn't really come up in the, in the last two decades as to whether we would get a dog because we've got this poor animal. How lovely, and what's your cat called? He's called Ernie. He had a sister called Eric, Erica Full. But she uh, she she didn't make it as far as he did.
0: And did you have? You didn't have dogs growing up then no. in the Addison household.
1: No, I, no, we didn't. We didn't. The only dog I ever met was my was Tandy, that dog my friend Matthew had. But um, no, never did that. I don't know why. I don't think dogs were as big a thing when we were kids, as they are now, everybody has a dog. And that, even before the pandemic, I mean, everyone got a dog over the pandemic, but everybody has a dog now. It's sort of
0: yeah.
1: extraordinary. And that wasn't the case before, I, I don't think.
0: I think you're right. I think it's interesting how I think dogs are seen as a sort of punctuation mark. They're like the full stop on the family now. That's interesting. Whereas That's a I, way of I it. But I think back then, certainly when we were growing up, yeah. They're a bit more friends with benefits back then. Whereas yeah. we put a ring on it now with dogs. That's interesting. I mean, I remember my
1: encounters with dogs were when I used to, when I was like, a, I don't know, I must have been 14 or 15, and I had like a paper round delivering the free local paper. Mm. So my, my encounters with dogs were usually terrifying dogs in houses who did not like, like a, like a cliche from a, from a cartoon, <laughs> who did not like the newspaper boy.
0: Yeah, and Alsatians as well because they were oh, huge yeah. in the 70s and 80s. Massive. What happened to that? The, they pl- we- the police took them all off the market, they used them all. Wow. <laughs> i love that should-
1: to be true, <laughs> because of course you can breed more of them. That's the amazing thing about animals, you can create more stock.
0: Come it's it's
1: interesting what, what we'll allow dogs to do now. We, I think our attitude has completely changed towards them in, in lots of ways. Like, like uh, I was always struck by my a uh, friend of mine who lived in who lives in Australia and grew up on, grew up on a farm just can't stand the idea of dogs in the, or cats in the house. It's a working animal. What's it doing in house? Get it out there. Um, and so and he even though you know he lives in Melbourne now and has done for decades, he still has that sort of that sort of mentality. But we've kind of we've really anthropomorphised dogs yeah. enormously in the last few years. I got into terrible trouble on <laughs> Guess Where Twitter. Remember this. So I was in, I was, I was, I was in a, a Vietnamese restaurant, just having some tea, waiting for an appointment. And, um, and there's a couple with a dog in the restaurant. Now I think, I'm, I don't think you should have a dog in the restaurant. I don't think that's a place for dogs to go. Lots of good places for dogs to go, but I'm not sure they should be in a restaurant. And people were vicious. Of course they should be in a restaurant. These people were feeding it off the table. And I was thinking, if I had a hamster <laughs> if in a cage and I brought it in, and put it on the table. You 100% object to that, and you'd have every right to do so.
0: I want to know about the Addison childhood. Right. Because you grew up in...
1: I grew up in Manchester.
0: And you are in Wales originally, weren't you? Yeah, I was you? born in
1: Wales, uh, and, but I was brought up in Manchester. I was brought, uh, born in Cardiff. My dad uh, was a doctor, and he was working at the Heath Hospital at the time. In Cardiff and uh, so that's where me and both of my siblings were born but when I was very young we moved to Mank.
0: And oh I love the sound of Dr. Addison. He's marvellous. Is he? Yeah, yeah. And how many siblings do you have? T- I
1: have two. I yeah. have two siblings. A sister and a brother.
0: And did your mum work or was she a homemaker?
1: She worked um, doing lots of different things actually so she was before we turned up she was a teacher and then she had a few years where she was dealing with, she, cause he had, at one point she had three, th- there's a lot, there's not a lot of distance between me and my siblings. So there's like, it, she had three under three at one point and then wasn't working because how do you deal with that? But then she went back and uh, taught in a hospital for a bit and then became a social worker and then a counselor. And, and then eventually, once we'd all gone, went back to doing what she really wanted to do, which was, um, she went back and did a degree at, Manchester University uh, in um, English language and literature. Ten years later, she's she's another Doctor Edison. She did a PhD. She got a PhD when she was seventy.
0: Oh yeah, because I, I remember seeing once. So I thought it was really lovely when you were given an honorary.
1: Oh yeah, the d- a degree um, graduation speech at um, Birmingham University.
0: It's really lovely, and I because it's such a brilliant speech. I love graduation speeches anyway because yeah. they they kind of generally make me cry yeah <laughs> but that really made me cry oh wow
1: but yeah that 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 speech was just me i basically emailed everybody i knew and said what do you wish you'd known when when you were if you were sitting in the the room with your cap and gown on and about to go into the outside world what would you tell your 22 year old self and it was, just, it was quite moving <laughs> getting yeah. the re- responses from people actually and the the biggest response uh, which is something that we've we've people on you know on social media have started to become a bit snippy about. The biggest response from people was just be nice. It, and, and it's it, it it makes everything better. If you're if you're nice, people want to work with you, people want to be with you, just be nice. Uh, and I reckon 70% of people sort of said some version of that in their in their responses.
0: Oh well, it was it's such a lovely address you gave. It really was. So yeah, so I'm imagining little Chris, <laughs> I, I already love little Chris, I bet he was quite cute.
1: He had, uh, he had a fairly unruly head of, when I was very little, golden curls. It was uh, the very sort of, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a different era.
0: <laughs> what was the sort of atmosphere in your family like? Was it, because with a doctor, I mean, I'm always so impressed by people that grow up in families like that, because I always think there must be quite a lot of structure and... Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I think... I, th- I, I don't know, it's difficult
1: to know how to answer that question, only because it's the only atmosphere that I've ever grown up in. Um, but, you know, it was just a, it was a regular family. Uh, sometimes we got on, sometimes we didn't get on. Yeah. yeah. Were
0: you the... Um, were you the sort of... the attention seeker? From a young age do you yeah think? I think
1: so and it's odd because I'm the oldest so traditionally it's the youngest or at least, or even the, the middle the m- middle is an awful place to be because you're neither the youngest nor the oldest mm-hmm. you've just you're sort of stuck in no man's land a little bit but yeah it's odd because i t- I out to be the performer in spite of being the oldest which must mean that I am so I'm not I'm, I wasn't trying to achieve something you know p- people becoming performers because they're They're the youngest. That's them trying to get attention from their parents. I wasn't trying to achieve that, I already had it, I was the eldest. So it just shows what a powerful show-off I must be. (laughs) (coughs) That, in spite of the fact that I had all the attention that I needed, this is not enough. I need people to print (laughs) posters with me on them and pay money to listen to me for extended periods of time. Or I will not feel validated.
0: I would say you're the definition of a benign (laughs) show-off.
1: What does that mean?
0: It means that you're, I suppose what I'm saying is you show off but not at the expense of others.
1: I hope so, I mean I I sort of, it's interesting because it's about 10 years since I did any stand-up and um, because other things have sort of got in the way really. Can I just
0: say that's the most Chris Addison answer ever, like Emmys and other things have sort of (laughs) got in the way really. Yeah, they have.
1: (laughs) And and, uh, but it's interesting because you know, I've just turned 50 and you, you start to do, whenever you turn a decade, there's a lot of kind of uh, assessing, isn't there? Mm. And I, I was looking back on my stand up and thinking, God, I, I wonder, I think I would probably do it differently now. And I'm sort of embarrassed by some aspects of how I used to talk to crowds in, cer- in certain circumstances, or certain people in crowds in particular circumstances. Yeah. I was very, very combative. And I think, and, uh, and, I sort of, and now, me now, I think I'd be maybe less worried about, l- less inclined to do that because the insecurity that it showed, I think isn't there bec- in the same, same way, just because as you get older, you tend, to, you tend to become less insecure because you realise, well, I guess this is just me then, isn't it? I've got to, <laughs> I've got to learn to live with that. And, um,
0: that's, that's one of the best descriptions of ageing I've ever heard is, I guess this is just me yeah. but, but,
1: do you know, I, 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 I always, I wonder often whether, whether there's any sense in, and this sounds so stupid, there's a huge culture of, of you know, self-help and, and uh, or going to therapy or, you know, and finding a way into your personality and, and tinkering around with it. And, uh, and I think that's a really useful thing for a lot of people to do I kind of wish that I could do it. But I also think there is something in the fact that to an extent we need to learn to live with ourselves a little bit. It's balancing up those two things. I'm not saying don't go to therapy, definitely go to therapy, definitely do the self-help stuff. But there's, there's only so much you can change about yourself and um, you can either be depressed by that or you, c- or you just sort of have to find a way ar- around it.
0: I have this expression which I always use about stuff, which is when, I don't know, let's say that thing that you had on Twitter with the angry people that were (laughs) angry about you saying a dog was in a restaurant. So if you get any sort of issues with people on Twitter or, Mm. I always say, I have a choice here as to whether I allow that to be woven onto the tapestry of my life.
1: I think that's a brilliant way of thinking about it. I think it's also, for me, that, that Twitter thing, or, or even how I would deal with audiences, um, it's like you don't have to win every fight. I mean, you do actually have to win the fight with the audience because otherwise yeah. you're, you're dead. <laughs> but um, but like, you, don't have to, you don't have to get involved with this. And it, it, like, I hope I'm less inclined now on things like Twitter to respond to everything. You know? yeah. so people are going to disagree with you, and that's... That's okay, there's no way of changing it.
0: You've got to keep up with Chris, come on. Right. He's got lovely Have long legs. Have you thought
1: about getting longer legs?
0: I'm going to edit that out so it sounds like Chris is saying that to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I really liked Chris Addison. I also it was really nice to women. No, no. <laughs> Imagine that's the trailer.
1: Oh, God, I've got to call. I've got to call the PR. Okay, deal with
0: this. Oh, look, at, that's an Airedale, isn't it? I think it is. No. Is that an Airedale? What no, kind of dog like is it. that? He's a rescue dog oh, the rescue be- oh. He's a hand. He's quite nervous. Of people Are you nervous? Do you want to meet Raymond? <laughs> oh. This is Raymond. Well, nice to meet you. What's your dog called? Indy. Indy. Lovely to meet, you, Indy. <laughs> <Bye-bye>, Indy. <laughs> nice to
1: meet you, Indy. Bye-bye, Indy. Bye. Indiana was what we named the dog. That's what he says in the film.
0: Oh, look, that's a nice thing. Oh, All yeah. right, what's
1: that? I'm going to say puppet. Uh, what's oh, that dog? A Patterdale Terrier.
0: Oh, I love those Patterdales. Miss it, Raymond. Yeah.
1: Often, often, often. Oh, well, hello, Raymond. <laughs> I've heard, heard you on the podcast often. Hello. Well, this is Nancy. I this is Nancy. Nancy. And she's 15, 15 weeks old. She looks like a kid's drawing of a dog. That's what people used to say about her predecessor. But, but, you know, if you, you, kids it's like the Socratic ideal of a dog. <laughs> That's what, it's
0: amazing.
1: Oh. <laughs> She's beautiful. Nancy,
0: it's lovely yeah, sure. to meet you. Well, it's very nice to meet you as well. Yes. Come on, too. mate. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs> nice to meet
0: you. Oh.
1: so See, you don't get that with other cat people. What? Well, we, you know, dog people, greet dog people, you know, like, like bus drivers kind of flash the lights at each other. Dog people do that, <laughs> don't they when, they, when they cross. Dog people like dog people, but cat people, you wouldn't know, because you don't take your cat for a walk unless you're a lunatic. And there are a few of those. <laughs> somebody once saw, somebody, who's it, somebody, who was this, saw um, a man in Lewisham, at the, the market in Lewisham, taking a, a stoat, for a walk <laughs> there's so many questions
0: oh I love it oh so um yeah so we were talking earlier about junior Chris and a bit of a show-off oh yeah academic good um, at school worked hard
1: I, I went to quite an academic school and was absolutely in the middle yeah of that school um uh, I didn't work terribly hard no I'm a quite uh I'm a deadlines-y type person. Are you? Yeah, and I'm inherently quite lazy. Um, and the th- I, I sort of need fear as a motivator with work, yeah. I find.
0: Do you think that's true of a lot of creatives in some ways? Yeah.
1: I've I found it really... There's a great book by uh, Russell T. Davis and Benjamin Cook, which is sort of um, a, a correspondence between the two of them, whilst Russell T. Davis was writing the third series that he wrote of Doctor Who. And it's fascinating because you're just... You're, you're just inside somebody's creative process and he, he says in it, "Oh, I just can't, I, I know that I've got to do 12 pages in a day. That's what I've set myself to do. And I know that if I sit down now at yeah. this point in the morning, I can get them done in the, the day's moment, but I will not do that. Yeah. It'll be getting <laughs> on for midnight and I'll go, ah. Oh! And I totally get that.
0: Were you popular, Chris, when you were a kid? Uh, uh, what sort of team were you in? Do you know what I mean? Like at school?
1: Oh, I was in the, I was in the music geek team. That's, I was very much anti-jock. I wasn't nerd because yeah. I wasn't like, a, I wasn't a sci- sciencey enough to be, but I've always sort of learned as a slightly sciencey thing. But I was, uh, yeah, I used to hang out in the music block with other fay individuals. Um, and, uh, Yes, I,
0: you've got the sort of romantic poet vibe. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think?
1: <laughs> I don't know, I mean, it was sort of like, I, I sang a lot in choirs when I was, when I was a kid. And uh, my squad, they had loads of them and, um, Yeah, it was just sort of a handful of us who just basically gravitated there. And it was because the music block was aside aside from the main school building. So it was sort of like, it's like a safe place
0: to go. And you got into stand-up a bit sort of relatively late in, in, by today's terms, certainly. (laughs) Yeah, it seems to
1: me. I was 23 when I started. Which, yeah, in today's terms seems... Very old and long in the tooth, doesn't it? But that's because you can, because everybody's got a camera now. You can start creating your own stuff whenever you want to start creating your own stuff. But back in those days, uh, you couldn't do that. It was, you know, you, you, your way in was. You couldn't. I mean, you could film your own stuff, but you'd have to buy a lot of very expensive equipment to do it, and there would be no way of distributing it. Mm. I mean, it's. So I just, I, it's great actually, because I, oh. I
0: do think. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> Explain what's happened, Chris.
1: So we've just uh, Raymond's just encountered a beautiful. What is this? What is? Whippet. It's lovely whippet. dog. Absolutely What's, beautiful. It? What's the whippet
0: called? Beau. Bo. Bo. I love the name Beau.
1: Fabulous you. colour. Well,
0: it's, a it's not such a lovely name, Raymond. Raymond. This is called Raymond. Yeah, this is oh. Raymond. Hello Raymond. <laughs> I think Bo's he likes Beau. Really. Look at Beau's coat.
1: I know it's beautiful, isn't it?
0: Does like Beau have a raw diet? She does. Yeah. yeah. That's the coat. I knew that. Is that, that. right? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that right? That's why the coat's so nice. Yeah, raw, raw yeah. mince with carrots and courgettes. Okay. Into it. And then sometimes you break an egg into it. Sometimes you'll have a sardine.
1: You're basically making a steak tartare. That's what you're doing, not you? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. has <Yeah>. yeah. <laughs> got It's very, very fancy.
0: What's <laughs> yeah. Raymond D. I mean... I'm embarrassed to say in front of my friend because I think he already thinks I might maybe indulge my dog. I can't wait to But hear I, c- this. I cook him, I cook get him. the blender. Let's,
1: let's look, there you go. Cook you it, I right? cook him. Mm-hmm.
0: He loves chicken. Mm. MS Char Grilled chicken's is his favourite.
1: <laughs> I mean, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> <You> <laughs> no like cost of James living James, crisis right? in Raymond's, in Raymond's <laughs> world, is there? No. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: looks like it's doing well. <laughs> oh. Come on, Raymond. Well, it's very lovely to meet yeah, you, Ambo. Bye, Bo. If you were going to have a dog, Chris, what would you have? Do you think? Oh, that's a good
1: question. Um, I've always—I mean, I've always loved labs. They're such. Yeah. Uh, but I think actually, if I could be bothered, if I could be bothered to put the physical effort into it, I'd love to have a husky. But they—they they need a lot of running, running out. There's a guy—he <laughs> doesn't do it anymore. But he, uh, there was a guy in Bromley who used to have, had four huskies, and uh, you'd see him—he—he would fix them up, attach them to uh, like a trolley and they would they would take him around Brumley on a trolley like he was in like he was in the tundra trying to get to the South Pole.
0: Extraordinary. Oh. But that,
1: but sort of that's what they wanted to do those dogs. Yeah,
0: yeah. Come on. So let's hurry up and get you famous. Okay. So <laughs> um <laughs> so we go you go to university. hmm and you did English, didn't you? I did. And you were going to be a director. I wanted to be a, that... a
1: theatre director, yeah. That was my... That was, what, that was what I was big into that at the time. Uh, yeah, I really wanted to do that. And then, uh, and then I didn't because it's really hard. <laughs> it's too hard. Because um, you, you can... Uh, at school and at university, it's very easy to do. You've just got a load of like-minded people who also have a tonne of time on their hands and you can just put plays on or whatever. But once you get out... It's not the same. It's, it's, it's harder to do, and so I ended up doing stand-up as a sort of um, sort of pressure release, really, like a like you know just just for
0: something creative to do. But that's so interesting to me, Chris, because a lot of stand-ups you speak to, they're sort of you know they say that they're, they're driven to it and they couldn't do anything else. Yeah. Whereas.
1: What they mean is they failed their exams. <laughs> that's all that means. That so that's just. The, the, the man in the job centre said that to them, basically. <laughs> Johnny Vegas told me a story once <laughs> about, because we started out around the, the same time, and Johnny was over in St Helens, and there's quite a big scene in Manchester mm. in, the, in the mid-90s, and he, he used to do a, a, night in St. <laughs> a night in St Helens, uh, but he was signing on, I think, at the time, and he said he remember going in, and the guy going, have you had any work in the past two weeks? And Johnny goes, no, no work. And uh, he said, and behind it, behind the guy, whilst he was asking all these questions, was a picture of Johnny doing a karate kick in sort of gold-trimmed flares <laughs> behind the dude's head. No, nothing. Not, Not me. He's an actual genius.
0: Yeah, that still interests me, though, that you, you approached stand-up, I guess, in a more pragmatic way.
1: I think it's sort of, I, I, I've, I've always loved comedy, I've always been obsessed with, comedy uh from when I was uh, you know kid onwards I just I loved it I used to watch like the uh I can remember taping you can still get this uh Billy Connolly uh an audience with Billy Connolly which is taped in 1985 I taped off the telly and I just watched it over and over and over and over again. It's, to this day I still think it's the best mm. hour of stand-up that you can find and um uh, I just so I I loved I loved all of that I loved and um, when, when I was growing up the uh, BBC Radio Four used to repeat all of the classic radio comedies so I would listen to Round the Horn and I'm sorry I'll read that again and the Goons and, and this, it was really big in fact the Goons that was I re- I really came across the Goons when. Um, a classmate of mine lent me, his dad had some LPs of uh, of, of shows, mm. a couple of good shows. And, I, and I, it was a proper kind of road to Damascus type moment where I went, holy shit, mm. I had no idea you could do that. I didn't know any of that was possible. And it completely, like it rewired my brain um, in terms of what, sort of what I was interested in, in, in comedy and so on. I can remember that you know, going downstairs i watching Hello, Hello, directly after listening to The Goons and going, well, this isn't funny. <laughs> like, whereas, the week before, I'd been going, that's the fallen Madonna with the big movies. This is gold. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the, the Goons just totally rewired my entire way of thinking. And then Python did again when, uh, when I sort of discovered that.
0: But you didn't have anyone, you didn't grow up with a sort of showbiz connections? or No, no,
1: no, nothing like that, no.
0: You just no. thought, I'll give it a go. So did you start yeah. writing and put yourself some... A, I, a um,
1: I I I booked a gig in uh, the Frog and Bucket in Manchester, which is in those days was in a tiny wee pub on Newton Street that's no longer there, and um, I, I was I was living in Birmingham at the time. Uh, I, I graduated the year before, but I was hanging around doing temp work. That's uh, uh, I guess we go this yeah, way. Yeah, probably... um, uh, Yeah, so I was uh, uh, I went back home to Manchester for the Easter holidays, and um, I. I was in a pub and there was a, a, a leaflet uh, for raw and a night at the Frog and Bucket on a Monday, which was an open mic night. And I, I was going to be there for Easter Monday. So I just thought, oh, I'll go, mm. I'll, go and, I'll go and do that. Um, and it was, uh, it was horrific. It was a genuinely <laughs> horrific experience. Was it? Oh yeah, man. So it was, I'd turn up, I super, I'd never been to a night like that. So I didn't really know what to expect. Turned up at doors and of course no there at doors. So I was, in, I was in this place on my own, nursing a pint because I didn't want to drink. Oh. Nursing a pint for like ages. And then, and then eventually the door opened and some more people came through, but the more people were Caroline Hearn and her <laughs> then husband Peter Hook out of New Order. And they came, they came through, oh my God. And I, anyway, I, I did my five minutes to silence, oh. and, but I can just remember looking over and seeing uh, a table in the corner, seeing Peter Hook with his, with his chin resting on his hand, looking at me going, fuck, who's this prick? <laughs> anyway, but I was very fortunate because uh, lovely Dave Gorman was in that night and um, he, said, he came up to me afterwards and said, uh, don't worry, the, the, this audience is shit, you've got some nice jokes there, you should do it again. And I don't think I would have done it again if that hadn't happened.
0: Oh, isn't that nice, Chris? Yeah. You never forget things like that. No,
1: no, you definitely don't. It was really, he was so super helpful.
0: And then, but you had the confidence to go back.
1: Look at this. So we're walking through a lot of leaf litter. I say we're walking through it. Ray is dragging it with him.
0: So, and then you decided, right? I'm good at this. After, you know, enough times of doing it. Yeah. I'm trying to
1: figure out if a bird just shat on me.
0: Let's have a look. I can't see anything. Wait.
1: Then it probably. But did. you know
0: what? I can't see anything. But I've got wet wipes just in case. No, it's case. fine. Don't worry. Let me have another look. No. It all looks fine too. I think that was really? just a leaf or something.
1: A genuine. That'd be that'd be perfect, wouldn't it? Can I just say? I've just
0: touched Chris Addison's hair, and it's beautifully soft. Thanks. I made it myself. Yeah, are you on a raw diet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you I want I both.
1: Just because I can't be asked to cook, <laughs> it's not a health thing. <laughs> Heating bills are really expensive. <laughs> we'll all be on a raw diet by October.
0: Oh, so yeah, so you got the you got the the bug really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I did. I mean, it's fantastic. It's brilliant, and it is as a creative thing. To do, it's it's one of the m- most pure things you can do. It's just you. Mm. Uh, you are in control of everything. Mm. Uh, you write the stuff, and you perform. It, it's 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 so sort of liberating. And it, it you know if you put to one side the fact that most people are scared to death of the whole idea of it, it is just the easiest thing that you can do. Because you all you do is rock up at a place and go, "Hi, I'll, I'll go on." And um, somebody else has sorted out everything else, haven't they? They've organised the night, they've booked the you know, the equipment.
0: I know you've said before, and I really like that you pointed out, people always emphasise how terrifying the concept of going on stage is. And you always say, but that's not the hard bit. The hard bit is the slog of writing it oh, and yeah. failing each time you sit down yeah. Yeah. to write.
1: Yeah. The only way that you can put a show together, it's not like anything, you can write a novel on your own in a room and then come out and go, i done it, guys! <laughs> Like, right? that's fine. You can do that. But you, you, and you can paint a painting. You can do any, almost anything creative on your own, except to create a stand-up show, you have to think of some things, then go and show them to some people and have those people tell you, this is a terrible... What were you thinking? You're, <laughs> this is rubbish. You're a charlatan. Go away. And, and you repeat that process until you've got enough things that they haven't reacted like that to. And so humiliation is baked into the process
0: but where's your damage because i don't see any
1: oh, uh, because of you because mean of, your job. of humiliation <laughs> where's my damage yeah i, I think yeah. i am um I'm, yeah i I'm, i think i'm just quite corn fed <laughs> you know what i mean i'm quite um I'm, i've uh, been allowed to, i'm a free-range corn-fed our hens are happy kind of uh, comic you know, so I, I yeah, I, I've, I've not really ever had anything like that to, to mine. And I don't think it's necessarily a good thing not to have something like that to mine. You know, I think it can be, it can be useful uh, creatively to have that kind of thing. Although nobody really wants it because it's, no. you know, it, it's a trauma. That's <laughs> yeah, all trauma. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I really think it's about showing off. I think that's <laughs> basically what it boils down to. Yeah. Is it's just, it's just, um, it's... T- talking with sustained Chris. <laughs> Wow. You, can, you can't take the whole park away with you, Ray. Right?
0: So you ended up... Then your career really took off and you obviously did brilliantly at Edinburgh and that's where you were kind of launched really, wasn't it? And I guess. you then started doing a lot of TV. Yeah. Mock the Week.
1: Yeah. I joined Mock uh, directly after Frankie left. So I never went on it with, with Frankie, mm. in fact. so um, The first time I ever did it was... Um, when they hadn't sort of uh, found a replacement for him yet and they were just sort of trying various people out, I suppose. But I mean, Mock of the Week is a, was a real kind of bear pit. <laughs> you absolutely had to fight for a- attention in, in that. You had to, you know, because there's six other people, well, five other people, uh, six, I suppose, if you, include, if you include Dara, who are racing to get to the same joke as you often. I can remember once there was, um, you, we would do these caption things and um, and and the picture was of just a, a plane and the window, the porthole window in the plane, and it was of um, uh, Abu al-Hamza, mm. who was being uh, um, uh, deported, mm. and, and um, s- captioned this. And I absolutely knew that every single person around that table was what was going to try and say, I've had enough of these motherfucking shakes <laughs> on this motherfucking plane, right? And knew that was going to happen. And it was just, and I, I got in and I think about it all, not all the time, but I think about that when I think about Monty Week the God, we all knew that that was the obvious yeah. joke. And, and you just had to, it was brutal. You absolutely had to fight for it. But I'll tell you how we knew that the atmosphere changed was there's that bit, scenes we like to see. And it's, it's two or three minutes of the, of, the, of the edited show. In reality, it's 45 minutes. Mm. That section is 45 minutes of basically going and doing joke after joke, after joke, after joke. But there's no order in which you do it, so everybody's kind of fighting to get to the microphone, and you would have to, you know, you, you'd have to wait until somebody was just about to put their foot back, uh, you know, up onto the up onto the ledge where you were standing, and then you, you know, you you had to go as quickly as you possibly could in order to get the the, the next space. But over the over the course of my doing mock, it changed, and there was I can remember one one time. Um, everybody was just a lot, a lot nicer to each other and a lot more sort of mm. polite about that. And I can remember one time, uh, I think Hugh had done a, a joke and then gone back and nobody went forwards because we were all going, please, please after, after you, after you. And Andy, I remember Andy laughing and going, maybe this has gone too far. <laughs> um, but it was, it was, they were hard to do. I, yeah. it was, It was a really hard show to do.
0: And then, interestingly, <laughs> you were so well established as a comic and then you decided to do... Acting, you got offered by it was Amanda Unucci, who yeah. you'd worked with in radio, and or just over I the years, knew, you guys uh, have worked together, have
1: um, you? Uh, no, so well, no, we'd uh, yeah, well we we'd done one thing together. Yeah. we were both on an episode of the News Quiz uh, on Radio Four, and in those days, the News Quiz used to the the, uh, the last show of the series, they would go away. They most of them would be done in the radio theatre or the drill hall. Uh, where most BBC radio shows were recorded and then one would be away on the road and we'd gone to Southsea near, near Portsmouth. It was me and him and uh, and Linda Smith and Alan Corran. So it was like, I was in a car full of my heroes and um, it was very, very overwhelming. Anyway, but at that point, he was just doing a documentary. He was The BBC had this series, The Greatest British Sitcom or whatever, yeah. and he was, Making the case for yes, Prime Minister, and it had got oh. him thinking. Oh, I'm, I, that about a modern-day version of it. And we talked yeah. about it over dinner afterwards. And I think, and he sort he said, oh, you must come in and, and chat about that. Well,
0: you um, were you really excited? What I actually
1: thought were, I mean, Ar- Ar- Armando. I remember, uh, you know, because I was such a big fan of Radio 4 comedy as a as a kid. I'd heard Arm's name a lot because you know he was a he was a producer, and he he also produced what I think is the funniest radio show that's ever been made on the hour, uh, mm. which became the day-to-day on, on TV. I, um, I mean, and I was obsessed with that show. Yeah. Uh, and um, so I was, just, I was just excited at the prospect of more time with Armando Iannucci, actually. That's what I was <laughs> mainly thinking. I don't think I thought, oh, this could be it. This is the path.
0: But it really was the path.
1: As it turns and out, yeah.
0: Did it change your life quite a lot in terms of suddenly, I presume you were being... Recognised certainly in certain postcodes of London <laughs> yeah, quite a lot. Yeah.
1: Well, there's the, there's like um, when when it first went out and it was you know, three episodes on BBC Four, the thick of it, and uh, yeah, there was the, if if you were anywhere near Westminster, you would instantly be spotted. Anywhere else, no. Um, it didn't. I mean, yeah, it did. It changed. It yeah, it sort of gradually changed my uh, life because it because I. It, it meant that I sort of expanded out from doing mm. um, uh, just stand-up and, and so on. Um, I mean, I didn't think of it long before I did Mock the Week. So yeah. these things, you know, like, think of it, the first, first series I think of it is 18 Yes, yeah, it's because it now, ran so for time. so long, though, yeah. didn't it? That yeah. It, yeah. Cause yeah. It
0: was, was it 2005 it started? No. Yes, it, yeah. it started
1: in, um, yeah, because it, uh, it had to, we had to wait till after the election for it to go out. Mm. So we'd, we'd already, we'd recorded it. Um, we'd shot it in the, in like January and March of uh, January and February mm. really quickly really, really so unbelievably quickly each episode took like three days um, which is insane uh, and uh, yeah, we had to wait until sort of the BBC didn't want to put it out until after the election in case they got in trouble um, and then, yeah and then it did sort of just, a, a, yeah a, a kind of world of possibilities o- opened up um, uh, Jamie Britton who who um, created skins? Uh, I, I remember yes. bumping into him.
0: Skins. Yeah, well,
1: and he yeah. went and he went. I'll, I'll write you a part if you like. And I went, great. Thank you. And then he, so, so he wrote me, you know, wrote me as the David Cameron-esque yeah. evil headmaster. And it, it was great. And that's you know that's all off the back of I mean, the th- yeah, the thick of it. In all sorts of ways, totally changed my my life. And being in that gang yeah. changed my life.
0: And. You being the polymath that you are, he then decided, actually, I want to do a bit of directing. <laughs> no. In some ways, did Armando you know, she kind of helped kickstart that in a way? Yeah, because he totally
1: did, yeah. So what happened was, the thick of it is shot in its really unusual way. It's not actually that unusual anymore, but at the time, it was shot in a, very, in a, in a, in a way that was uh, just not the standard way that you would make a, a TV programme. Um, and... So Arm had directed all of it.
0: Oh, I'd love to be on Arm terms. Can you no. make it happen? Come on, invite him on the podcast. <laughs> Show him yes. round.
1: It's happening. That's what we must do. Go on, Chris. But um, uh, he, so he directed all of he directed uh, everything up to the final series. But the final series was shot in between the first season of Veep and the second season of it. It's madness. Now that I look back on it, it's pure lunacy to to take it on, but take it on they did. And he realised, well, look, I can't direct everything, um, but but I need... So I need other people to direct it, but because it's shot in this unusual way, I need people from inside the family to do it. So he knew that I had wanted to be a theatre director. So he said, why don't you come and do an episode of this? And Tony Roach, the writer, did an episode, and Billy Sneddon, um, uh, our editor, and Natalie Bailey, who previously been um, arms uh, assistant, one of his uh, amazing strengths yeah. and I don't think it's sort of talked about it, I don't think it's recognised a, a lot but is he, he, he's really good at going, you come over here and try this and and he like he, yeah. if you present yourself as, I don't know, a stand up to him he goes, okay, but I'm not going to think about you in those terms I'm going to think about what your potential is and he, yeah. so he's fascinating, he, I, I I really feel like there's a whole bunch of us who came through the academy of armando because he basically taught us like so simon blackwell who you know who i've worked with for for 20 years now um he, he was one of the original thick of it writers but before before he wrote on the thick of it he was writing in gag rooms for have i got news for you and the kumars at number 42 all of those sorts yeah. of shows he was a gag writer and it's really hard for gag writers to get the jump into narrative comedy yeah but Armando being Armando went, oh no you're really interesting come over here and try this and so yeah. you know so that's what Simon is now he's a, a, a an award-winning writer of narrative comedy and that's yeah. Armando does that the whole time so Natalie Bailey his former assistant who's now like a legit film director uh, back in Australia, and, and Sean Gray it was another of his assistants who's now, you know, a big writer. and it's, That's sort of what he did. And, um, and yeah, so, uh, so I think he just went, I know you like the idea of directing theatre, so that's, it, that's good enough to try this thing out.
0: Were he you in- nervous, though, Chris? When you oh, first, yeah. the first day of Veep, you've got those headphones yeah. on. Did you get the North Face jacket to look the part? I have the North
1: Face jacket. <laughs> I have got a North Face. Jacket. I would
0: have gone full oh. North Face jacket, J- baseball cap. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, no. Well, so I, I'd, I'd done a, I'd done an episode of um, Thick of It. That was the moment. Yeah. That was the moment where I can remember setting up the first shot of that, which was uh, Roger Allen and Will Smith and Olivia Poulet walking down corridor and uh, and talking with um, Nick, who uh, was the D D O P, the director of photography about how we were going to do this thing, yeah. getting back to the monitors, which Armando was at the monitors as well, putting the, putting the headphones on and waiting for the first assistant director to call. And I remember thinking, what am I doing? What possessed me to think that I, what the hell, what am I going to say to anybody? What am I going to, how do I do this? Mm. And then uh, he called action and I can remember uh, watching, um, watching them coming down the corridor and thinking, oh no, no, that's not quite right. And being half out of my chair and going, Okay, cut. And I sort of, I went, oh, I think I will know it when I see it. And, and, and as a starting point, that, that sort of worked. But yeah, and Veep was a whole other thing because, because it's Julie Louis-Dreyfus. You know, it's I've been knocking around with the Thick-of-It gang. I knew all those people. But to go over there and, and, you know, what was at that point an established show already? Man.
0: Did the power frighten you or did you <laughs> quite like it? <laughs>
1: um, I, I, I don't think I noticed how powerful i potentially could be in that mm-hmm. role for years mm-hmm. like it took me a long time until I, was, I, I made a film a few years ago and it was when i was making that film that i suddenly went wait a minute mm-hmm. wh- we can do the thing that i want because it's literally my job to say that's the thing we're going to do and uh, honestly it was like a, it, i'm so stupid because it, it was a pro- it was a proper wait people have to do what i ask oh, so we can do that why am i why am I bending over backwards to try and accommodate the needs of, of whatever it was, presumably the studio, when actually I can just go, no, 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 this is what we're gonna do. And I, it took me a long time to, to realize that because I'm not particularly interested in the, in the power aspects of it. What I'm interested in is I, I like getting in and tinkering with the, with the comedy. The reason that when I sat at the monitors that first time and did that first take, that I suddenly went, no, no, I know, I know what, I know what this is. It's the same thing It was the same feeling that I get if I go to, say, the theatre, Mm -hmm. and I go, no, no, not like that. I've always had that. Oh, no, I want to get in and fix and fiddle. There's no doubt that I have ruined many a (laughs) lovely evening of my wife's television viewing, pointing things out. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, (laughs) there are people I should probably WhatsApp and go, fuck me. But, like, there are... I mean, I'm I'm quite um, a demonstrative person, so I find myself going, (laughs) oh! Oh God! I think some of us do sit and, and, and think about things in those in those terms. Oh, I the know
0: nightmares!
1: It, oh God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but I also think that people who work in sort of you know broadly speaking yeah. in the in uh, well you know creative industries in the creative yeah. industries I suppose as a whole as a whole I think we are terrible for that kind of thing. But it's because we're interested in it.
0: Well, I want to get on to your latest project. Yes. Yeah. Because was it three years ago? breeder started yes three
1: so years ago. Two, two. this is season three so it must be two years ago yeah surely
0: and what brought breeders into the world it was essentially a dream that martin freeman had That's right.
1: we were sort of set up on a date essentially together martin and i
0: did you think oh he'd become quite a nice friend for me he's <laughs> <laughs> i do that with people yeah, i spot. do i look at people i think oh they'd be really a nice good. friend yeah yeah
1: I mean, you, yeah. Well, you definitely. I think you always want to. If you're going to get into something with somebody for an extended period of time, you definitely want to think we're, we're going to be. We're going to get on. It'll be. It'll, it'll be okay. We're going to. We. We'll, we'll get. It. If we think, oh no, this is not going to work. Get out of that project because yeah. it's just going to be a nightmare. Um, but uh, so we were. We were set up because uh, his agent had spoken to my agent about um, he'd. He's, Martin had some, some idea. Anyway, and it turned out that the idea was that he had, had a dream where he was walking upstairs, his kids were upstairs, and they're making an astonishing amount of unnecessary noise, and he was walking upstairs and saying to himself, you don't have to shout at them, knowing that he's going to shout at them, be better than this, be better, you don't have to do that, and then opening the door and just tearing them to pieces. Uh, and this was this was his dream, and he said, he said, uh, uh, he said it felt really real and that uh he said i I think about the way that our kids make us angry like the the truth about having children is that as everybody says oh you'll never know a love like it definitely you would kill for your children equally nothing can make you angrier than your own kids nothing Uh, they are so they can be so infuriating um and those two things are very very linked and he he observed that in particularly in sitcom you've never seen that you don't see that you see you know uh, sitcom families uh, uh, are either kind of um, duh, 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 <laughs> go, teenagers or wise <laughs> cracky teenagers uh, or something but but nothing nothing that felt like a sort of nothing that felt sort of nuanced yeah and actually, that dream that Martin had ended up being the opening scene of the show. And what show. I
0: love is get, that you get to refer all the time to the dream that Martin had. Yes. And...
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's not the first Martin to have a dream. It's not the most important dream that Martin's ever had. But, um... But, we uh, do.
0: And I think the thing that struck me when I first saw it, because I have been a fan for some time... Thanks. Um, and... I think, do you know one of the things, it sounds like a, a simple thing, but it's actually, to me, it's not because the swearing, the parents' swearing, yeah. I just felt that was really honest and I really liked it. And I, I thought it was quite brave as well because I suspect you felt um, you might encounter some controversy with that. Yeah,
1: and people, that, I think it's interesting because people tend to have quite a strong reaction to the show, uh, one way or the other. And there are people who cannot watch it because of the swearing, and sp- specifically the swearing at the children, um, uh, which is all you know. That's all very carefully managed. We don't actually swear at those children. Uh, we shoot it in such a way that we can make it look like that's happened. But um, but people do really object to it, and I I get that. I do get it.
0: Yeah, but I think it's so. Like I say, I think it's very truthful, and those characters, the relationship that the Parents, it's Daisy Haggard who's a brilliant actress, isn't she? She's and so amazing. Martin Freeman and it's it was started from what I gather. It was you and Simon and Martin would sort of sit and have these lunches.
1: Yeah.
0: And kind of swap stories really yeah. about you know, the kind of non-disnified version of, of yeah. parenting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We it was it was it's interesting because men don't really talk to other men about that stuff that often and it was, so it was sort of like being at a support group it was like we were in some sort of father support group and we and we, we we found ourselves telling telling each other things that w- were you know it, the darkest parts of our soul were bad mm. and um and it was sort of quite cathartic uh, and and it's it's why we realized there's definitely something in this because and that's what the other the other reaction we we always get to the show is people going oh thank god thank god it's not just me Mm. thank you for saying those those things because i was going a bit mad here and actually that's you know not not that that's what we set out to do is i'm not suggesting we're all marvelous people and deserve knighthoods but i think that that's where the truth comes from and in those early meetings we realize oh yeah yeah there's there's definitely legs in this and when we've always when we've When we started to make the show properly, um, after we'd done the pilot, when we started to do sort of 10 episode seasons of it, we would have writer's rooms, um, uh, which we've always been very careful to make sure that half of the writer's room is is women, because there's three white middle-aged men who've created this thing. It could very easily become an extremely boring show about another white dude's midlife crisis. So... But everybody in that room were, uh, to begin with, parents of children of different ages. And so we ended up, you know, sh- over the weeks of the, of, of the storylining writers' room, sharing a lot of really mm. quite um, grim stuff uh, with each other. Um, and you know, a lot of it has made it into the, into the show. And I think that's why, that's, I think, I hope, that's why it sort of feels truthful.
0: So season three yeah. is about to start. Yes. It's on Sky. It's already out in America. It's isn't already it? out in
1: America on uh, on, on uh, FX. FX and streaming now on Hulu in the states. Sky Now TV as well on the on the 13th. And I think I'm correct in saying all episodes will be available all at once. Which oh, I like that.
0: For. I yeah. like to binge. Well, I watched all of them. I, I was <laughs> lucky enough <laughs> to be sent them all, and I watched them all because this is very impressive. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a lot.
1: Like it's a lot to go through because it's.
0: Oh, it was a roller coaster for me, Chris. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: It was left on something of a cliffhanger at the end of season two because Martin Freeman's character Paul had moved out of the family home. Yeah. And that was another thing I really loved. That sounds like I'm saying I love that he moved out of the family (laughs) home. Um, But what I liked is that he moved out of the family home because he was struggling in his relationship, not with his partner, but with his son. Yeah. And. I thought that was really interesting because yeah. that tells you quite a lot about how things are different now because back in right. our day when we were growing up the idea of a father yeah. of a child having that much agency and yeah. and that much of a voice yeah. in a domestic setup and I thought that was so fascinating it really got me thinking about how yeah now that I can see that would happen that if a if her father had anger issues and it was upsetting the kid, the mother would say, yeah, I think it's best that you move out.
1: Yeah. Part of what we thought about it to begin with is, what a strange thing it is for parents now, but particularly for fathers who, in, a, in the space of a generation, have had to basically do a complete gear change mm. um, in terms of how they parent. The fathers of our generation are were you know, different. It was a different time. They were different people. Uh, most of the, all of that stuff was was left to uh, the, the mother, and um, and still is quite mm. to be to be honest. But but there's it's it's interesting that people like Paul have no specific role model. So his father is one of the characters, Jim, and Jim's you know just a, a very ordinary uh, working class bloke who uh, you know would worked for Watney's would have gone to the pub of an evening and you know and Paul's mum would have done all the the work basically Mm. and um, and it's a it's an odd thing for men of our generation to go we're having to slightly invent it do you like the mound by the way
0: i was just gonna say (laughs) we've just gone to come to the mound i feel like do you know that film picnic at hanging rock
1: yes oh it is very like that isn't it
0: Chris Addison has taken me to a mound. The mound. And do you know anything about the mound?
1: Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I don't come here on midsummer. That's all I'm telling you. <laughs> Particularly not if you're wearing all white.
0: I like how he sort of widens out as he sits down. <laughs> Raymond, you know what, Chris? Do you know why I love him? Because he brings so much joy.
1: The, I love the way that the ears go up. Like it's like. It's like his entire head expands because there's so much hair on it.
0: Come on, Rayway. It takes quite a lot of boldness and balls in a way to have the confidence to try different things because most of us get told at quite a young age, Yeah, that we can't. you do this, you yeah. have to specialise, you get boxed in. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. I think people who are outliers, who think, I shall try this, I'll try that, that takes you're facing a sort of external judgment in a way. What, yeah, who are you yeah, to do yeah, that? Yeah. But I think it suggests someone who comes from quite a stable kind of home environment, right? Because
1: that's interesting. You've got a
0: safety net there. Yeah. Do you know what you mean? You're I mean? You totally don't feel. Do. Yeah. You have to create your own.
1: Yeah. There's absolutely no question that what I the, the the career that I've been able the weird sort of patchwork career that I've been able to make for myself over the last quarter of a century. My agent said to me a couple of years ago, you have the bizarrest career of anybody I've ever met, let alone managed. It's fucking ridiculous. All right. But there's no question in my mind that uh, that is because I am immensely privileged. That's how I've been able to do that. Because I have a stable home, I had a stable home environment. That You know, I'm from a nice middle class family. I was never going to starve. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. so, so you can take the big swings because somebody's got, somebody has your back. If, if nobody has your back, it's fucking terrifying. Mm. They're the brave people. It's, it's, it, I, I'm not brave. I'm just, I'm just you know, I'm, I'm well set up. I'm, I'm the lucky dude.
0: You're resilient, is what I would say, because you need to be resilient, don't you? Because every you time you try anything new, you fail inevitably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know?
1: yeah, yeah. There's a lot um, of failure.
0: What are you like as a dad, Chris? I bet you're a nice dad, aren't you? Are you strict? What do, did, what, do you, um, strict? Chris being strict? Do you know what? I'm not. I'm
1: not massively strict. Mm. I, I'm, uh, but I think I'm more inclined to be strict than than my wife is, probably.
0: Are you? Are you the disciplinarian? Well, yeah. I I'm, I'm. Your kids I'm are a bit older now. More,
1: yeah. My, so my son's just finished his GCSEs, and my daughter's just sort of beginning hers next year, and so on. so they're they're. You know, he's off in sixth form. She's in the middle of high school so it's a it's a different adventure now from from how it was but yeah no I definitely I think I was m- m- the one more likely to put my foot down but there's not a lot of foot putting downing that's been going on
0: <laughs> I um, think you're quite a pushover
1: yeah probably <laughs> well I, th- I think that's a, a real problem with parents is you, you can't be a pushover because if you are you it's death it's not death <laughs> That's a makes it terrible but it's, a, it's it, like it's it, it, you will ruin your children they definitely need the boundaries definitely and you do you sort of try not to do stuff because you don't want them to not like you and sometimes they're going to have to not like you and it's your job to mm-hmm. put yourself in a place where that uncomfortable thing happens to you because it's for the greatest good it's easy for me to say this to you now here but actually to put it into practice in the minute is really hard you're doing two things at once you are having to learn to trust them and they're, and they're all, and you're also having to teach them to break away from you Like your job as a parent is so yeah. weird because your job is uh, your job is literally to make your children leave you <laughs> right? For, put the, To put you to take the thing that you love most in the world and equip it to leave you that's your job and um, and so it's it's very hard to, to, to balance those things we just you know I don't think my parents were on me when I. Were they not? No, But not the
0: doctor, I imagine the doctor had strict rules. The,
1: the, the doctor was at work. <laughs> yeah. was, you know, I mean, I'm, my dad was on call a lot of the time, uh, you know, when I was a kid. And I just don't, I, you know, I, mind you, I, like, I did fuck up my A levels a bit did by, you? by being, yeah, because I'm lazy. So he kept
0: that out of the old uh, honorary degree speech. Oh,
1: absolutely, yeah, <laughs> they don't need to know that. I didn't fuck them up badly, but I, de- I definitely yeah. didn't do what I could have done if I'd actually. Yeah. Put the effort in, but that is sort of the story of my life.
0: Well, it's not the story anymore. What I want to know... Yeah. ...is how you... If we had an argument... Yeah. How would that work? If you are upset with something I did or said, would you call me and say, "Em, I'm really upset about that, or do you? would you just mull on it? Oh, I'd mull on that. Would you? Yeah. Would you just not C- reply to my text or something? No, I, well,
1: I'm... I, I'm so desperate to not fall out with anybody. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't bear it when it feels like something something has gone awry there, and that's not a good. That's not necessarily a good thing to to have as a as a <laughs> characteristic, particularly not in my job. <laughs> but um, but I but I can't bear the idea of somebody you know of of just of. If I can't bear the idea of somebody being cross with me, so I'm I'm you know can you I can not? be cross with you know
0: I can't. Do you not like conflict?
1: No, I don't. I really don't like conflict. I'm terrible at How it.
0: How does that work as a director, then? Because a lot of the conflict's built into the job, right? Well, it,
1: I don't think it has to be built into the job. I don't think any director needs to... Like, that sort of... Um, the cliche of the director shouting at everybody: "Why the fuck is that there? Get that out of my sight! You're all fired!" And there are definitely those people, but and I I sort of understand why they're like that because it's a highly pressured job. You, there's an right. awful lot riding on your shoulders, and um, and it's you know, and and it's you. You're the you're where the buck stops. So uh, so I get it, but you're not going to get anything good out of people that way, are you? Mm. Like, it's just not you. you if you treat people like that they'll do their job but not they're not going to do the, go the extra mile or anything and they're not having a nice time and that infects the atmosphere and that affects yeah. everything that's happening so if purely from a like a, a uh kind of totally selfish uh point of view you shouldn't be like that be just be nice make the atmosphere nice it it'll, it'll work better it'll all work better
0: what would Mrs Addison say What's the thing that drives oh. her most mad about you, would you say?
1: Lack of communication. Failure to communicate, that's it. That's exactly what she would say. Would Write you... the thing down on the calendar. <laughs> How is anybody supposed to know that you're doing yeah. the thing if you've not written it? <laughs> Write the thing, explain where you're going, you know, just talk about everything. R- make me, let me understand where you are and why. I think that would be the thing that she would... <laughs> But, to be honest, it's the head of what I imagine is a reasonably large list.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I always ask people on this, Chris, um, what do you most wish people would say about you when you leave a room, and what do you most fear? So, what do you most fear people would say about you when you walk out of a room?
1: Crikey, what an interesting question. Um, well, um, thank fuck for that, I suppose. <laughs> but, but, uh, well, right. Well, last week we can get some real conversation going. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I have, I have an absolute, paralysing need to be liked. Yeah, I, I, I also find the idea. of I, find, this seems so stupid. It's <laughs> going to sound so stupid, particularly bearing in mind the job that I've had since 1997. Six, <laughs> even. Five, fuck. Um, but but I, I'm always surprised that people are talking about me when I'm not there. I find it genuinely odd that anybody would, yeah, we were talking about you, were you? I, st- I still find that, find it really
0: peculiar. And um, what, here, let's do the nice bit, Chris. Okay. What do you really hope people would say when Chris leaves the room? What a great shirt.
1: <laughs> um, uh,
0: <laughs> let's say last night you were with,
1: Dara and, and Hugh and Michael McKean for dinner.
0: Yeah. I you, Dennis. Dara, Breen and Michael McKean. Yeah. Let's say you'd left first. What do you wish they would all say about you?
1: Um,
0: Apart from nice shirt.
1: Yeah, I think maybe uh, there'll never be another one of him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> never I would be... really
1: like to see that guy again as soon as possible. <laughs>
0: You know what I'd say about you? Ray picks up on people and he's been really happy spending the time with you. He's a little
1: sweetie. I can't imagine him not liking anybody.
0: Well, we're standing here with a, with a dog who looks like something out of Star Wars and what I'm saying is, <laughs> you're a Jedi. All right. You're a Jedi, but I'll tell you what else you are, Chris. You're a romantic poet meets physics teacher that everyone <laughs> fancies.
1: Uh, Russell Howard used to call me the sexy lecturer. But that was many years ago.
0: Chris, I've loved our walk. How yeah, do you feel too. about Raymond? I
1: love Raymond. He's an absolute marvel. I've never seen a dog like him. I'm thrilled to have made his acquaintance.
0: Chris, I've loved having you say goodbye, Raymond, and everyone. Hi, Raymond. Please watch season three of Breeders, and you need to catch up on if you haven't already caught up with season one and two. There, I saw, I caught them, caught up with them <gasps> on Now TV on Sky. Uh, yeah,
1: that's where they are. It's they're all so streaming. brilliant.
0: You will binge them. Um,
1: I'm so pleased you liked it. Oh,
0: I love it. I didn't... Oh.
1: Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this?
0: This one's a bit fancy.
1: Very fancy. What's the, what's with the... Oh, is it?
0: It looks like a, some sort of poodle. Look at the tail.
1: I know. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Well, Chris, we've loved
1: today. Say goodbye. Bye, Ray. It was lovely to meet you. You look after Emily, won't you?
0: Thank you, Chris. How does he speak, Chris? Uh, I imagine it's
1: sort of a bit like that. Yeah, I'll yeah, well, uh, see what I can do. Yeah. I'm, uh,
0: I'm, only little, I'm only little, but... You uh, can sound like Freeman.
1: Awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's what's happened. Maybe we just become each other.
0: I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.